Man City lose here whilst they're not competing. Did get yellow carded very early on in the match for being a bit too eager coming out of her goal and taking out, I think it was Leah Carlton. But, uh... <laughs> Subscribe to the OTB Koigig pod on the OTB Sports app now. The Koigig pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support. Lily Ag scores one of the most important goals they have ever scored. What a moment for the Republic of Ireland. Hello there and welcome to episode 37 of the Koi Gig podcast. I'm Kathleen McNamee and I am joined once again by the one and only Karen Duggan, who's had a bit of a busy evening, Karen. Busy but productive. I mean... Three points is all anyone cares about. Exactly, exactly. And we will dive into that a little bit more. We are off to the playoffs and I think we're all very... I mean, we knew we were going already. We just weren't entirely sure what stage we were going to end up at. But thankfully, tonight's result as maybe not as comprehensive as we hoped it would be. It means that we don't have to go through two stages of playoffs, which is always a good sign. With the Women's Super League starting this weekend and the transfer window closing this week, we decided to do a bumper podcast to preview all the top talking points from the coming season. Later, we will be joined by Emma Carroll, who has put together a starting 11 of top players to watch. There's a nice mixture of players that some of you might already know and ones who have just come into the league or new and exciting talent, even some Irish bias in there as well. For our WSL preview, we will be joined by Goals Women's Football correspondent Amy Rushkai, who will help Karen and I dissect all the main storylines you can expect from this season. We also have a gift for our loyal supporters as we look to support Irish women's grassroots football, so stay tuned for that later on in the podcast. The Koi Gig Pod on O2B Sports is an association with Cabri FC, official snack partner to the Republic of Ireland women's national team. And what a national team it is. We're off to the playoffs. Woohoo. Woohoo. We can end the pod there. That's all we cared about. <laughs> We've got six points out of this window. Um, maximum points. We're never, ever going to speak about the performances again because it's not important. All that we care about is the fact that we are off to the second round of the playoffs. It's a massive achievement considering how we kind of Started before we started this campaign, there was a lot of back to back losses playing against higher ranked teams. Ultimately, it seems to have stood to us. Um, and everything just kind of fell into place this week be it Finland being in turmoil and missing a couple of players through injury and getting a bit of luck with the goal that them having an extra player off the pitch. And then, um, Slovakia today, we just had one moment of magic and that's all it took to get us over the line. But it is maximum points and happy days, one less match to give us loyal viewers a little bit of rest. If not the girls, I think that's badly needed. <laughs> yeah. And I think. For me, the defining thing of this whole campaign is that, okay, there were a few slip up slip ups along the way, but by and large, we seem to get rid of a lot of the demons we had. And you said we won't talk about the performances again, especially maybe the last two, but I mean, there was a time where we wouldn't be talking about those performances and we also wouldn't be coming out with six points at the other side, whereas as dirty as the play was and as kind of stressful as it was as a viewer we did still get what we needed and I think that's such a massive jump forward for the squad yeah I think uh, I kind of think that the the squad has matured a lot um not in terms of how age or anything like that it's just in terms of mentality I mean 
when we look back at the last Euro campaign and that was that was really disappointing. I mean, that was a group that we should have come out of, albeit we were, yeah, we were third ranked seeds, but Ukraine were the best second seeds we possibly could have gotten. And we slipped up as we know against them, but also it was Greece that we slipped up against. And that first home game in this campaign against Slovakia, where we struggled on the ball and we had to dig out a draw. I was a little bit wary that that might be a sign of things to come, but we didn't. We didn't let that one bad performance define our campaign. And um, we actually kicked on from there and got a great result away against Sweden, one that no other team managed to get. Um, fantastic result, and then just followed it through by beating that Finland team. And Finland dominated possession in the first half, in particular. I think Ireland didn't have their tactics right, but didn't concede any stupid goals. They didn't make stupid errors, and then they were able to adapt. So I think. Yeah, like I said, I think it's just a more mature team that doesn't let little setbacks get to them, have a stronger mentality. I think we've always had this talent, but now there just seems to be a different mindset. And you can kind of feel that excitement coming out of the girls through their social media, just through just the reactions to that that game at home. It was it was a pure joy and today was pure relief. And I think they're really looking forward to the, the playoff now. I did think it was quite funny, Katie McCabe saying in her post-match interview after the Slovakia game, she was talking about the Sweden match that we were all saying, you know, really showed mentality where the way she played down the way. And she was like, no, we're focused on to the next. And she was kind of making fun of herself afterwards. And she was like, yeah, I probably should have taken that a little less seriously. But, you know, it got us here. And if that's what it takes, that's what it takes. I thought that was kind of, it's always nice to hear players reflect on those moments and be like, no, I was just so focused in that moment. And yeah, I think that's, they're, they're, they're professionals now, you know, they give us the generic media trained answer. The next game is most important, but that's why I enjoyed the scenes of Finland so much um, because they actually just showed their personality and what it means to them. And that was a huge result against Sweden and we should have, then uh, I know you have to stay grounded and all that, but that was a huge point for us to get. And not only in terms of getting that extra point and it propelling us up the playoff ranks, but also in terms of the momentum it gave us going into the Finland game because they knew that Finland were going to the Euros and that they played higher ranked teams and maybe they would have a bounce from that, but they didn't and they, they beat them and did a really, really good job to get six points from Finland start the campaign no one expected that so really good um and yeah hopefully a few more honest interviews from the girls coming out of happy but honest coming after the the playoff game well, i think we all know the few that we can probably get the honest interviews out of at this stage <laughs> yeah yeah i'm hoping rusha's injury isn't too yeah. bad that way <laughs> Um, you mentioned when you were talking about the campaign earlier, the fact that we didn't give away silly goals. And I think there was a couple of stages towards the end of today's game where it looked like we were going to do that and we managed to pull it around and like quite an impressive amount of goals that we didn't let in throughout the whole campaign, which had been such a problem for us before. I know we talked a lot about Courtney Brosnan, like how much she's improved, but we also have to look at the defence in general and especially when you look at how much things were changed around the last couple of games, whether it was injuries, you know, missing Nifahi. What do you think it was about, do you think it was just a case of maybe the defence and Courtney getting more time together and like being able to understand each other a bit better or how did we come to a stage where we're conceding so few goals throughout the entire qualifying campaign? Well, I think it, 
it's important to highlight Courtney's role um, because we spoke at length in previous podcasts about the debate on the number one goalkeeper and that's where your defence starts and they now have a solid number one and even towards the end of that game when we were on like you'd be afraid just to give Anthony away. She came and collected a really good ball that she perhaps could have left to her defence and no one would have blamed her, but she's taken a lot of responsibility. So I think we're right to highlight her role in it. And we are playing to our strengths. Let's be be realistic. We're playing three centre-backs. So it's it's normal that we're not conceding a huge amount of goals. Um, we're very disciplined. It does take away a little bit from our attack and play, but again, we're getting the rub with the green in this campaign, scoring from set pieces, um, pulling out a scrappy goal when we need to both times against Slovakia and no chances aren't coming <laughs> at a rate of knots in these games. But once you stay in a game, we do have players who can cause damage. So looking at Denise notching up another goal today, that's something she's added to her game, added goals. We've always known how industrious she is, how hard she's going to work. But that was a really good finish that she showed today. Um, so the back line, I mean, it's it's playing to restaurants. We have the numbers back there. The next step of development now is playing a little bit higher up the pitch, releasing our wing backs a little bit more. There are some times still where we're playing long balls into the box and it's only Heather and Jess Sue and their strengths is running and technical ability on the ball. We don't want to be pumping long balls in on top of them and making them chase and run 13 kilometres a game chasing shadows. So there's room for development. But I think in order to get through the campaign, we did have to play to our strengths and people can call it negative. Uh, and perhaps it's not pretty to watch at times, but it's been effective for us. So, um, well, we want to see free phone football. I'd rather see us win, you know, so it's hard to criticize that. No, I agree. I think what would frustrate me about games like today is that I just thought, I, I don't even think, I think it was, we almost seemed hesitant to let ourselves play. You know, we were putting a lot of long balls up, like you were saying, instead of, having the confidence to like keep the ball at our feet. There was a few times even where we had free kicks up the pitch and Louise would just belt it up. And as you said, like we don't really have the players up there. It's not, it's not playing to our strengths Mm -hmm. rather than giving it to the likes of Katie or Denise or Heather, Jess, like all these people who can actually run with the ball and are very good when they are at their feet. And I was a bit disappointed considering the opposition that we didn't try that a bit more. I know that, Katie was saying after the match and like you could see it during the match she was getting absolutely belted from every which way but if you look at the goal we did get you know that came from good technical play with Jess starting it off with getting the ball in midfield doing a little bit of interplay with Denise and then passing I mean Heather's cross wasn't the best thing in the world but it did the job the right idea it was exactly it was meant in the right way instead of just aimlessly putting a high ball into the box when only Jess and Denise were in there. So I think you hit the nail on the head there. You, you're mentioning all these people who have a lot of talent and are very, very good on the ball, but we're still playing with this fear factor of making a mistake at the back and not trusting our midfielders to create. And if we move the ball quicker, we'll create those openings for those players that you mentioned who can actually do damage. And yes, Slovakia are mean and you can say whatever, they were cynical at times, but a lot of it came from us playing the ball forward too quickly and leaving a player isolated. So Katie was getting the ball maybe with her back to goal or she looked up and Heather was trying to get across to her, but was maybe 40 
50 yards away. So Katie's having to take extra touches. It's given Slovakia more time to get in around her. And yeah, they'll kick a player like that before she gets into a danger zone because that's just good, clever play. And that comes from probably good coaching. And I think that I on the training pitch, work needs to be done to say to my centre-backs and my mid centre-backs, just trust your midfielder, give the ball in and be prepared to get it back. And just, like you said, more confidence in our play. And I know I mentioned her a lot there whenever I was talking about players being confident with the ball at feet. It would be remiss of us not to mention Jessu and the shift she put in. We've talked a lot about her in the context of going over to the WSL and what to expect from her there. I suppose I'm much like a lot of the rest of the team. She struggled a little bit at times last week, but I thought like tonight we really saw what she was worth and what she can bring to this team. And I mean, listening to you guys talking about it on RT afterwards, there was some, some big claims being thrown around about what her potential is. (laughs) I think she has huge potential because I know we spoke to her on this podcast. You're really struck by how much she wants to improve and how much she analyzes her own game and she she wants to improve. She doesn't think she's made it just because she's now starting with the senior team. And that's a really good feature in such a young player. And she wants to prove herself at West Ham. And it's brilliant to have that ambition. And I think, yeah, she struggled to get into the game against Finland, but I think it was a symptom of the shape we were playing. We were really under pressure down that left-hand side. They were, uh, the positioning was wrong and, and Jamie Finn was getting a tough time. And in, that meant that Jess had to play deeper and the whole midfield was far too deep today when she was released a little bit and the ball was played to her feet. She, she caused us to get excited, you know, on the ball and we want to see more of that. And, and she plays with a freedom and that is refreshing because we're not used to seeing it. We have these very disciplined performances from a lot of our team, but she just kind of brings that spark and that edge. And I think we needed that because we're getting a lot from Katie on one side of the pitch, but like teams are going to recognize Katie as our main player. They're going to kick her. There needs to be other outlets and she's a fantastic outlet. And I think when her and Heather and Katie and Denise get more time together, I think we'll see more interchange in their play. Mm -hmm. And I think that that can be a really good combination for us praying Megan Campbell stays fit because it does allow Katie to play in that a more advanced position. Um, another mention to her, I thought she did really well considering how long she's been away to get two 90 minutes under her belt. More than anything, just confidence in her own fitness is probably going to be a huge thing. Um, and yeah, we still do depend on set pieces and she's a phenomenal weapon when it comes to that. I've been so impressed at her confidence since coming into the team because I can just imagine... Like- I know how good a player she is, but after so long out and settling into a team like that, it must be difficult, but it's almost like she's never been gone to a certain extent. You know, you notice the difference in that we're able to play Katie up higher and we're able to have that freedom. And obviously like her, her throw-ins are amazing. They're basically like corners for us, but it just all seems very natural and I didn't expect it and I didn't actually expect her to play as much time as she did coming into the squad. Yeah, no, it's, I, um, I was delighted that she didn't come off today again because it's just more and more minutes and more of a chance for her to gel and what she brings is a lot of composure, you know, um, she's always been technically brilliant, but she's very, very composed and she'll pick a pass more often than not. Um, 
and hopefully as she gets more game time, we'll see her in even more advanced positions because I think she um, can really get up that line, up and down that line and just pick out good little pockets of space for Katie and allow Katie to come inside a little bit more. So I think she's going to be very, very important for us coming forward. And then when we get Neat Fahey back in that back line, hopefully she'll be back soon. And Megan Connolly, I think that's a really, really balanced team and a team that is just a little bit more settled on the ball. Um, there was obviously a lot of change today and that might have been a symptom of why we didn't keep the ball as well. Players not used to playing with each other. But I think when we get those kind of stalwarts back in the team, um, I think that, and we can get that settled team, hopefully for a World Cup campaign, I'd be very excited to watch that. I think that there's a lot of potential there. Well, we will be putting all our miraculous medals and whatever... <laughs> Gods, you pray to exactly. out the place Friday for the draw, praying that we get to your grannies lighting their candles. Yeah, exactly. Literally anything that you subscribe to, please do say something nice about the draw on Friday because I've had so much fun color covering the qualifying and it would just be such a shame to fall at this stage, uh, especially when we do seem to have such an exciting team. So what do we what do we pray for now? Do we just pray to avoid the Netherlands? What what are we praying well, for? We've avoided them because they oh, lost yeah. you may have missed this, but they scored like a 93rd minute winner against Iceland. And literally it was it's actually painful to watch the video of the goal goes in, Netherlands starts some, like celebrating and all the Iceland players just drop to their knees. Like they had put in such a shift and it was just like it was the final kick of the ball and they were done in and uh it actually like it broke my heart. I was so happy that Netherlands weren't going to be in the playoffs, but I also really felt for Iceland because I think everyone's been there at some stage when you get that sort of heartbreak. Um, so maybe we don't want to beat them actually because they <laughs> they may be fully <laughs> gunning for this yeah. World Cup after that experience. Good but yeah, I think we're that. just we're looking for some of the lower ranked teams. Maybe a maybe Bosnia or someone gets through. Don't think Bosnia will be more getting through, but maybe a Wales. Maybe a Wales. Yeah. We've had a good result against them in recent times. Celtic tie might not be the worst yeah. thing in the world. We can we we can work with that. I think yeah. there definitely are teams in there that we can beat um, on oh, our day. We just need to hope that we keep the momentum that we have had for the last couple of months. Exactly. Well, Karen, I look forward to discussing this with you in October when we will both be biting our nails. (laughs) So happy we have another game to discuss. Now the WSL is almost back, so we're almost back to having our favourite WSL team of the week, but not quite. We still have another week or so to wait, sadly. But to tide us over in the meantime, Emma Carroll has a slightly different version for us to get our season preview underway. So what have you concocted for us, Emma, before we get into the full season? I've um, put together an 11 to watch for the season, mostly in their correct positions. Um, <laughs> For regulars, there's a couple of couple in there that will have appeared plenty of times on last week, last season's team of the weeks, but I purely put them in there because I think this season is going to be even bigger. And after the Euros, there might be that Euro bounce that we all keep talking about, and people watching the WSL that maybe have never watched WSL before, and players that didn't appear in the Euros. Um, so that's kind of my my thought process behind the eleven. I like that mix. I, I think it's going to be interesting. And of course, Karen and I are going to have things to say about it. Probably the bias that you will have. Because well, why 
it's, any different. It's going to be Liverpool bias this year, which is <laughs> worse than the Irish bias. So I'm looking forward to that. I would say it's balanced. Um, okay. And I'll start us off with an Everton player for that. Um, Courtney Brosnan in goal. Um, an Everton player, but also an Irish player. So <laughs> Yeah, it can. Uh, <laughs> um, I've chosen her. Obviously, Irish fans will know her at this stage after her plaudits in, um, in the World Cup qualifying groups. But I'm just hoping that she's going to be Everton's number one. So I've put her in there as the one to watch. There could be maybe debate around Emily Ramsey. She's a young English goalkeeper. Maybe Everton being an English club might want to give her the push. But I hope that Brosnan has enough experience behind her now that she will nail down that number one spot. Um, in the, At the back then, I went for Jessu. Just more Irish boys. Um, young, I'm actually, I hope she downs down a spot at West Ham because I'm really excited to see her. Um, and then... I've kind of put Maya Letizia in a centre-back. She could be in the right back position as well, but we have seen her play in Brighton um, at centre-back. And I think when you're up against Una Badier for United, she probably will say, appear in the centre-back position yeah. because they tend to have a lot of injuries and they've lost Diane Caldwell as well. So that might be um, one of her positions. And then uh, Kadisha Buchanan for Chelsea. Emma Hayes has described her as one of the best defenders in the world. They've already got Millie Bright and Magdalena Eriksson, so stacked. Like that <laughs> is unreal. Yeah. Um, Rachel Daly, we touched on her last last week. Um, purely hoping big, maybe big she name, play, big like, flag. Yeah. Um, and then in the middle, then is one of her stalwarts in Kim Little. I put I her in there because obviously she didn't appear at the Euros, but if you're new to the WSL, your eyes aren't going to be able to be taken off Kim Little because she just controls the game and it's just a magician for Arsenal. Mm-hmm. Um, then we go to somebody young, Missy Bo Cairns for Liverpool. Here comes the Liverpool boys. <laughs> <laughs> Scored for England last week. Um, she's really excited to, exciting to watch. i seen a bit of her the season before Liverpool got relegated and she's kind of been making a lot of sub appearances for Liverpool. Um, she's still only, I think she's like 19 or something. She's quite young. Um, and yeah, I think she's one to watch. Um, Hurtick for Kathleen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we spoke about her last week as well. So I think she's going to be good to watch. And again, Arsenal are like just stacked up front. And I don't know who's going to play with who. Um, so that will be an interesting one to see. Um, and then I went for uh, three up front. So again, more Irish boys. And you could call this Irish boys with okay. two of the players, kind of. <laughs> Leanne Kernan obviously played the WSL for West Ham. It went okay for her, made a move to Liverpool and she just tore up the championship last season. She's had a brilliant preseason. Um, I hope she gets more minutes in a green short as well at some stage. And she's just signed a new two-year deal as well at Liverpool. So she's definitely one to watch and I hope she scores loads of goals again. And um, the other one that we said kind of ours is Mary Fowler, who has um, moved to Manchester City. Um, we'll remember her from the game in uh, Tala last year with Australia and hugging our Irish granddad and everything. So yeah, that was nice. And then up top again, another Australian and purely again, because didn't play in the Euros. So if you haven't watched the WSL, I'm sure you still know the name, but it would be <laughs> great to see her in uh, Sam Kerr. Um, and you should be noted that another player that I didn't, that we didn't see in the Euros, but I managed to not put in the team, but I'm sure will appear in plenty of teams of the week. Is Katie McCabe. <laughs> I felt like I needed to do like a drum roll for you there as you <laughs> up to that. <laughs> I knew exactly where you were going with it. 
I resisted the urge. Um, I think we've seen enough enough of her, and most listeners to the uh, to the podcast will be well aware of what Katie McCabe can do. So I went decided to move away from her for once. Yeah, it's well, great. I think it's great for us, though, to see that we're excited to watch more players now in the WSL from an Irish perspective. That move for Jess Zoo is huge. Like West Hammer, good, good team. And for that to be her first professional contract, it's it's an unbelievable move for her. And like you say, you hope it goes well. Um, Leanne had mixed luck there. But like you say, since she's gone to Liverpool, she's just Gone. I have to say, I did love with Leanne today where Liverpool didn't actually announce the length of her contract, but Megan Campbell leaked yeah. it on her Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations to her on her two-year deal. A well-deserved contract extension and it shows that she's obviously loving life there and she feels at home there, which I think is really important for Leanne. I think she's a good confidence player. Um, and like I say, I do think as this Ireland team progresses and we start to get more comfortable with the ball, I can see Heather Payne dropping back into one of those attacking fullback positions. And then there might be an opportunity um, up front for someone like Leanne to come in and stake a claim on that starting team because I do think she brings something different. Her pace, she's so lively. Um, so yeah, I'd love to see her get more minutes in a, in a green shirt, but I'm looking forward to seeing her in that Liverpool jersey too. I really hope so. Because yeah. if she's scoring goals... Like we don't really have yeah. that is scoring goals. Yeah. Like so, if she does, if she does that at the top level in the WSL, it's not going to be. It's going to be hard to it, for yeah. much longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Kathleen, go on talk about Lena Hertig. Where's Where's everyone going to play on this Arsenal team? Well, I think she's probably been brought in because uh, Arsenal in general haven't really bought that many people this summer um, and we had like certain areas which we aren't all that good for there was a lot of debate about say even Leah Williamson like whenever she plays further up the pitch our backs are very very exposed so I think Hershey has just been brought in to shore up the midfield a little bit especially with Miedema dropping a bit deeper and Blackstenia is taking that position up front. I do think we need a bit more in that middle area just to keep Arsenal taking along and allow Williamson to completely dominate the back because it's never been a comfortable position putting her up that much higher and it is somewhere that we struggled with last year. Um, and yeah, I think also we have the added benefit of like, she's a great scorer and that can never, I mean, Arsenal have been criticized in the past for being very top heavy. So I think we do need players who are a bit more comfortable being in different positions because people have very specific positions that they like to play in. And when they're pulled out of them, they're not always the best. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think she's going to, I hope she's going to slot in. Okay. And I think with the players, we probably lost more players this summer than we have actually taken them in but I think the ones that we have brought in are hopefully going to mean that we can challenge for the title and stop Chelsea's reign over the WSL <laughs> if you can get past Buchanan and Bryce and Ericsson yeah I mean it's a very yes, minor challenge I'm sure it's going to be absolutely fine no I actually don't have that much confidence that we can't get past Chelsea this year I think they're going to do the four in the row in a row but just to get that in early doors <laughs> but yeah no I am excited and I think I mean I think I still think keeping Miedema is probably the biggest signing that we did all summer and that was the most important one um but 
and as well, I think the summer that Little had, even though she wasn't playing in the Euros, the fact that she was over with Oil Rain and like she did play a lot of minutes with them. So she's going to be quite fresh coming into the season in that she's been competing, but maybe not at that full on international level, but keeping, you know, the joints moving and everything. And I mean, she was setting up Megan Rapino every other week. So like that's never something that you don't want on your team. <laughs> No, she's, like you say, if you haven't watched the WSL before, she's by far one of my favourite players to watch. Just her brain is next level. Like she sees things that other players just don't. And for her to still have her work rate, I hate saying this, but at her age, like it's it's unreal. So yeah, she's still a stalwart in that Arsenal midfield. Yeah. Oh, another player that I think we should definitely highlight for people to watch is Letizia. Um, I mean, what she's done at Brighton is pretty insane. The fact she is so young as well and is still like one of the W, I think she has the record for the most WSL appearances by a teenager. And she's like 20, 21 now. Um, and over two seasons, she played every single minute for Brighton, which is insane when you think about it in terms of just injuries or general tiredness or how important she was. So I'm curious to see how she fits in this year with moving to a new team and I suppose having that consistency. But I think being with Hope Powell for the last couple of seasons has really brought her along. I think she'll thrive. I mean, she's going to have even better quality players around her now. It's only going to improve her. And like you say, it's scary that she's so young and she's so good and just so composed for someone so young. Just touching on injuries as well. Another person who we all have everything cross first day's injury free, Megan Campbell. Like I think everyone's looking forward to seeing the throwback in the WSL and, um, it was so yeah. good back in a green jersey. Um, I think it was something we really missed. And obviously it frees up Katie McCabe to push on a bit more forward. So um, she's another one to watch. And I think people who are only picking up their interest in the WSL and maybe don't know her now are uh, going to be in for a surprise when they do see the Rory de Lap. <laughs> it was funny, the amount of people sitting around me at the match in Tallow the other night, just every time she took a troll, just being like, oh, it's so good to see that back. Like people <laughs> were so excited by it. <laughs> she's just she's a fantastic player as well. So um, yeah, just keeping her injury free and Liverpool managing her is going to be a huge thing. But I do think that they have enough um, strength and depth in those defensive mm-hmm. areas that maybe they can mind her a little bit. Um, hopefully yeah. so. Season to be back in the WSL. I think it's interesting as well, Emma, that you've gone with Fowler and Kerr up top together because obviously they're playing for different teams. So they play together with Australia, and Kerr has described Fowler before as the best finisher on both feet she's ever met or ever played against or with. And I mean, from Sam Kerr, that's pretty, pretty high praise for a 19 year old. (laughs) I think it's going to be interesting to see how much she plays at City as well because. We know Garrett Taylor likes to bring in um, talented players and then leave them on the bench sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> like it took Roosevelt, Harley appeared. It took Bunny Shaw quite a while as well to um, start getting a place. So, but obviously with Ellen White gone as well, um, you think that and the amount of other players that have left, you think that she will get some game time. Um, and it is really exciting to see her. And there is that little bit of an Irish interest as well, as you said, like. And granddad and everything and that really nice moment in Tallis mm. Stadium. Um, so we do have a little bit of a, a keen eye to keep, keep a watch yeah. over. She had a 55% conversion rate as well last season, which is pretty, pretty good. And I think you say there about her and 
whether she will get the playing time. I mean, she was used as a super sub for a lot when she was playing over in France and she was quite effective as that. It's almost like the Alessia Russo <laughs> role for England. <laughs> kind of taking her head. No one wants to be that She is quite sub. young, but like... No, I know. Get to an age where... And she obviously still... You know, she's still only 19 or something, so yeah. she's still really young. Um, So she will get to that stage where she will be the, like the number one pick, but... And I think she like, yeah, I like Bunny kind of took, hit the role maybe about halfway through the season. I thought she was quite good, but I like, like the rest maybe of they play it too up front. Yeah. The world kick into gear. So. <laughs> this is it. Like, I think she's going to be exciting to watch. And as I said, like she's converting one and two, then like going to be take it. to watch. Take yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. That's the thing. I think she's going to be really fun to watch and I hope she is used well by Gareth Taylor and if not I hope he doesn't last too long in the season but we will get into that a bit later on (laughs) (laughs) Um, thank you Emma I'm sure everyone listening is just as excited as I am that the official totally unbiased 100% accurate Koigig WSL team of the week will be back in full force on next week's podcast if for some reason you don't agree with Emma's selection or you have an issue with something Karen and I have said when we're disagreeing with her possibly can't think what that would be because we're obviously right about everything all the time then do send us an email with your thoughts and opinions to the koi gig pod at offtheball.com now with the wsl season coming up we have asked one of the experts from the women's football world women's football com- correspondent for goal amy rushkai amy thank you so much for joining us uh last time i saw you we were bopping around england together for the euros which was fun we don't have any heineken fridges this time but m- maybe next time <laughs> yeah no f- no free beer this time which is um i'm gonna have to get back used to that having had so much <laughs> free beer, free sandwiches, free uh, crisps, but no. Yeah. And what was your highlight of the Euro as well? <laughs> exactly. So many things. Um, and how are you feeling now that the Euros are over? I presume you've had like a little bit of a break and the WSL season is already upon us. I'm sure you've probably been busy as well with England and the World Cup qualifiers. Yeah, I um, took myself off on holiday, um, which was well needed. Um, especially after my last holiday after the Champions League got cancelled by a, a flight mishap. So yeah, nice to have a bit of a break and then yeah, I'm I'm excited for it to to get back underway actually. And I mean I'm sure in a month I'll be exhausted, but I'm all right at the moment. Do you know where you're headed for the first weekend or what your focus is gonna be? Yes, yeah, so I'm gonna go over to Man City Arsenal. Um, which is not the big showcase games down in London, but uh, I think that's the pick of the round, really, isn't it? Yeah, I I think anyone who looks at the fixture list would probably go straight to that one because it pretty much, I mean, having it's a bit like having Arsenal-Chelsea so early last season. It kind of sets you up for what the race is going to look like. Exactly, and see, kind of, I guess you've got to set your stall out, sort of. So, yeah, I'm I'm intrigued to, to see how it starts. I'm interested to see what... Man City turns up will it be the start of the season will it be the end of the season they have a lot of new players in as well so definitely one to be keeping an eye on is what Man City in that do in that first weekend Do you think that City considering all the players that they've left and I mean a lot of the talk around the club is that they knew those players were going to go and that they had prepared for it do you think they have prepared adequately for it going into the season or 
do you think it's going to be, I mean, I know last season it was more injuries that made them struggle, but do you think they are going to struggle even just with coordinating a team and like getting people to gel together since there has been so much of a overturn? Yeah, I think it's it's always one of those things. You can say it about a lot of the clubs, I think, in the WSL, just when you kind of flip through the transfers, you see a lot of turnover and you're like, it's not a very long season, so you don't have a lot of time to sort of settle. So it's kind of a, a bigger shame. Well, it's an, an, a way, another way that it's a shame that they got knocked out of the Champions League from City's perspective because they haven't had those extra games, I guess, to you know kind of find their rhythm a bit more. But... I think that they've brought in some really good players and it is just about whether they gel and, um, yeah, just how they settle in. I think they've signed good players. It is just, I mean, they're losing players that have been there for a while. So it's going to be, uh, it's not going to be easy. Yeah, well, we saw that with Everton last year. I mean, we were excited by some of the signings they made, but it was like a brand new look team and they really struggled to settle in any way. Obviously, there was managers turning over there as well. So it was a different beast, but... Could there potentially be a manager change at City? Like, There's a lot of questions around this team, I think, going into the season. I'll be curious to see how long, like, I don't know. I feel like there's been so much talk about it that Gareth Taylor is probably one of the main managers that has something to prove going into the start of the season, especially if you look at the top half of the table. For you, Amy, what do you think he would need to do to prove himself? Like, do you think a victory against Arsenal in the opening weekend is the sort of thing that's going to help settle City fans a bit or does it need to be a bit more continuous? Because obviously they had such a terrible start last season but managed to pull it around quite remarkably by the end. Yeah, I think a, a winning at Arsenal would be a perfect way to kind of set the stall out and I guess just kind of give the fans, I know some of the fans lost a lot of confidence in him last season, give the fans something to cheer about, you know, the being knocked out of the Champions League again before the group stage. And I think he has won some trophies and you know maybe he needs to just really give him a good title race. I think he needs to get a trophy as well. Like I think at a club like City, they expect to win trophies every season. So I think that they need to be really in the title race though. Um, and winning against Arsenal would be a good way to start. And you mentioned there about the players that have come in and the fact that they have signed some good players who is the one that you're most excited to see we just had a conversation about Mary Fowler obviously she has a bit of an Irish connection so we're always eager to bump that up on the show but who for you is the most exciting person that they've brought in I think I would say Fowler as well just because I'm intrigued to see how she fits into the system what role she plays whether she's playing that 10 role which I think she has been in pre-season um, and how she kind of gels with the attackers and is feeding you know like Bunny Shaw getting the right runs and the right passes to her I think she's such a wonderful talent that I'm really excited to see how she settles into a team that has a lot of other talented attacking players for her to gel with and yeah she can be versatile and move around as well in the front three so um, still really young and has a really bright future and I hope that she can kind of hit the ground running and, and show why she's so talked up. Yeah. yeah. I think it'll be a different approach now without the likes of Ellen White. Like they'll probably be less direct. She will be looking for more movement. So that 10 role would suit her down to the ground for something like that where they are kind of inter changing positions a bit more and Bunny Shaw kind of running off the shoulder. Um, they'll probably be more of a kind of quick counter-attacking team than what we would have saw, seen previously, possibly. 
And we mentioned the tidal race there and you cannot mention the tidal race without immediately turning your head to Chelsea and everything that they have achieved. Are you on the side that they are going to continue their dominance this year or do you think there are other teams in the league that have caught up to them or can give them a bit of a challenge? I know Arsenal did to a certain extent last year, but it still felt like it was Chelsea's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think they've they've made a lot of signings as well, haven't they? They've lost some key players who like G been there for so long and you know, maybe Drew Spence isn't sort of you look at the starting eleven and say, Oh well, you know, they haven't lost a key part of the starting eleven, but they lost a key player in the dressing room. Anderson was, you know, there for quite a few years. They've they've kind of got a you know, some key characters to replace there and they've done some interesting transfer business. Obviously Kadish Buchanan is such a good signing. Um with somebody like Yelena Kankovic, who's, you know, been one of the best players to watch in Sweden for quite a while, is like an intriguing one. Um, Spitkova as well. Like, um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they've got so much tackling talent, right? But they need to kind of balance, I think. And, you know, maybe that was the problem in the Champions League last year as well. Just having that balance between attack and defence that, um, you know, teams, if they can get them on the back foot and exploit that, then we could be in for a real tight title race so you know we'll see if Chris Giorgio comes over she might be over by the time you put this out but um, <laughs> you know that, that kind of player might bring them a bit more steel in that midfield and just make them a little bit more solid and, and less soft and I guess on the counter in a way Is there anyone you think outside of Chelsea and Arsenal who will? I think C- City could City have the the star quality um, in their team and you know they've got players that have done it players with big experience um, but I don't think outside of that, um, unless, you know, somebody has a real kind of turn up and, and upsets the apple cart, I think it'll be those three, um, if not just Arsenal and Chelsea. Yeah. You mentioned there about like Chelsea suffering a bit in the Champions League last year. Do you think the signings they have brought in, cause to me, it strikes me that they've built more towards success in the Champions League than necessarily the WSL. Like, obviously, they want to reinforce the team that they have and make sure that they get there. But the sort of players they've signed, even Buchanan and, like, her experience there before, do you think that, as well as looking... Because, I mean, if you asked Emma Hayes, are you building for the Champions League, she'd probably strike you down on the spot. (laughs) But do you think that was kind of the larger picture for them this season? I think it kind of is something they just have been working towards anyway, right? Like they've won the the WSL, you know, so many times and it's it's obviously something they want to win, but the Champions League is the one that they haven't won yet and that's the one they, they really want because they just haven't won it. So I guess naturally they're always kind of just building towards that the same way that, that City have been for a while. Um, but yeah, Barcelona are now. Yeah, it's like just so many, so many clubs that once you've won everything else sort of domestically, it's Champions League, right? That's what you're kind of trying to find the next level to do, as well as keeping up with people improving in the WSL as they generally do every year. Yeah, I, I'm curious to see how they do do this season because, like you said, there has been a lot of changeover. I feel like there's going to be a certain eye to the Champions League. I would love to think that some of the other teams can challenge them a bit more, but I just don't know if I see it at all. I think like they're just, they're so stacked and even their benches, if they get injuries, it's very different to if Arsenal or City get injuries and they're able to cope with that a lot better. Now I know Arsenal have 
done a lot to kind of mitigate that this season. You know, they've brought in new strength and conditioning personnel. They've hired like a new lead analyst to try and make sure that they're a bit more up to scratch on that side of things. But I, I just don't think you can see past Chelsea and the the level of experience that they have in that squad. I don't know if that's an unfair claim for me to make, like literally before the season has even started. <laughs> I think you're just trying to set yourself up to not be disappointed if Arsenal don't win again, Kathleen. I'm a long-suffering fan, okay? It, it has been a great couple of weeks on the men's side and it's all gone downhill, so I'm just expecting the same thing on the other side. <laughs> uh, I'm looking... I'm. This is the year I'm hoping United can break into the um, the Champions League places. That's why I'm a bit disappointed that you're putting Man City in the mix for top three. So <laughs> we're going to be in it together, Kathleen. It's fine. What do you think it is this season, Karen, that's actually going to help them break into it? Like, is it just the Russo-Tune effect or...? I think it was it was strength in depth, really, isn't it? And I, they're still probably not up there with the, the top, top teams in that regard. But um, we talked about the the bounce effect of like fans and stuff with the WSL. But if you're a player that's after winning Euros and you've gotten that much attention, there's going to be a spring in your step coming into the season and a, even a bit more belief around your talent. So I think United are building. I think there's still a few players short um, to fully compete, but they're a young squad and like I definitely see them building for the future. But yeah, I'd love to see it happen this year. Um I don't think Spurs will challenge in the way that they did last year. I think that that was a bit of a, a red herring. I don't really know where that came from. They fell off at the end. Um, but it would be a good test for United first game of the season against Spurs just to kind of say, OK, we're, we're, we're in the mix there. We're, we're with the top three, four. Which are the areas that you were hoping United would maybe strengthen a bit more this summer that they haven't? I mean, they brought in Letizia, which we obviously have spoken about. That's a really, really good one. Um, looking at Batty in the in her performances in the Euros, like she's brilliant. I think it's still maybe another centre back and a centre mid. Um, because we do have Tune and Russo. But then I suppose, like say, if injuries happen to Russo, who's the who's your go-to? Um, so possibly it could be that like, they don't have as much um ability to switch things around like Arsenal do with Needham Black Senius. They can try different formations and things like that. I don't think United quite have that. They don't have the personnel to do that. Um, and we spoke about City being able to kind of interplay and how Fowler will fit into that. So I think that they're a little bit more one-dimensional. They're very good at what they do, but it's um direct and it's a pacey. But um, I don't know if they have the guile that other teams do. Is that not the exact same problems that we would have said that they had last season. Yeah, well, <laughs> not this, to put you on the spot or anything, but I feel like I'm saying they're one-dimensional. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just going off last season, but they were the kind of um, the shortcomings last season. But when you look at the signings that Chelsea have made and how stacked they are in the forward line, um, I really don't think that United can quite compete yet. Hmm. What do you think, Amy? Do you think United are still one-dimensional? I think that um, they've made some good signings. I think Toon Cara is a really good signing, just to kind of show things up at the back a little bit. And I really like May Letizia. I think she's fantastic. Um, we'll You've been quite a lot with her for next gen on goal, haven't you? Yeah, she's. I think she's just. I don't know. I, I think she should be in the England team, like in the squad. You know, I think she should have been in the squad for maybe a year or so. But I just think she's been one of the best players in the WSL kind of flying under the radar like 
in a defensive perspective. Um, she's versatile as well, which is cool. And yeah, I, th- I mean, I think United have added a bit of star quality with Lucia Garcia. I think she can add something a bit different on the attack. And I think Nikita Paris could be a really decent sign. I mean, if she gets confidence and gets going, gets goals, because she hasn't had that at Arsenal. She kind yeah, of just played last season. Yeah. So, like, once she, if she's on form and she's, you know, feeling confident, then she's a really great player. And we've seen that when she was at City. But, um, yeah, it's, I think midfield as well sometimes can be a bit one dimensional with United. And I really like Grace Clinton, who they've signed, but I, you know, she hasn't played a lot of WSL football. She wasn't, you know, getting a lot of minutes with Everton. So I think she's a really good player for the future, but it's not a midfield that you sign and you put her in midfield and you've changed the entire midfield immediately. I don't think. Missing someone like a Little or a Walsh, Mm. really. Um, Just that playmaker. I think most teams would probably say they'd like a Little or a Walsh. (laughs) Someone who just has that eye that's just can pick out a, a cut and pass. Um, I think that's just the one thing that they're short and that's why they end up going wide quite often and going down the flanks and crossing balls in for the likes of Russo uh, and two and getting on the breaks there as well. Sometimes falls nine, sometimes 10, but uh, yeah, I'd love, <laughs> love a little transfer. But uh, what do we think is, is Walsh staying? Is she gone or what's happening? It seems to be that sort of domino effect, doesn't it? Where there's quite a lot of deals that, they're kind of like the Gioro and yeah. Walsh and they're just kind of waiting if one goes, then they kind of all go. But it's, um, yeah, it's touching. I feel going. like it's probably, it seemed unlikely last week with everything that was going on. And then now that the Gioro deal is in there as well and there is that little like triangle, it almost seems more likely, which is weird in the fact that there are more players involved in the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But... And I, like, I don't know as well, do, will it matter for her if she goes over in terms of the fact that the Barcelona have that issue with registering players? Like I know Lucy Bronze got away because she has her Portuguese passport, but I don't know, does Kira Walsh have anything on that side? But hopefully, I mean, knowing Barcelona and Spain, they'll probably come to some last minute solution about it all anyways. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like Walsh, she might be get, able to get an Irish passport. That's true. Kira as well, it's not... <laughs> If she wants to come on the podcast, I'm sure we could try to uh, expediate it in some way. <laughs> ask for it for an appearance on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, just uh, for any legal claims, we cannot guarantee yeah. that. <laughs> Even with all our great connections to the Irish national team. Um, Liverpool are new kids on the block. Obviously dominated pretty much last year in the championship. We saw Leanne Kiernan, who we've talked about a lot score loads of goals she's had experience in the WSL didn't maybe hit those same sort of heights I think the championship was probably a great place and Liverpool especially under Matt Beard was a great place for her how do we I feel like Liverpool are going to come in and they're not going to come in and get relegated straight away I think they do have the potential to stay up where that is I'm not really sure I would I feel like mid to lower end of the table but I don't know if you guys would agree or disagree with that no, I agree. I um I went to Liverpool at the back end of last season and spoke to Matt Beard and some of the players. And um he's just he has that experience, doesn't he, of, of what it takes in the WSL and he knows I mean he's won it, you know, back when it wasn't the league maybe it is now, but you know, he's been in there and he knows what it's like and he kinda of talks about not making mass changes and continuity of the squad and things like that and you notice that in the squad and the changes that they've made over the summer they've just made little you know tweaks here and there to make them a little bit better so I think um I think they'll be fine 
I think they'll be fine and I think they'll just sort of slowly build um, towards, I guess, progressing up that table. I think they did well against Arsenal in the Cup as well last year. Yeah. By the, by the you know, the McCabe understrike and that kind of bits of quality that, that took the game away from them, they didn't have. But I guess in the Championship, it's difficult to, to bring in a, a player that's going to change the game that much at that level, whereas now they're in the WSL, they can kind of strive to do that a bit more and bridge that gap by bringing in a couple of star players. Yeah, and they're going to be an attractive club. You'd like to see it go the way that Man United has, like the investment, and because you do piggyback off the men's team and the support. So it could be huge for the league if they do do well. Um, I think it would be really good. Uh, yeah, I, I agree. I don't think that they will get relegated. I see them with those changes that you mentioned, Amy, that they possibly have as good, if better, than even the likes of Leicester. Um, Villa obviously have signed daily, but you'd wonder how they'll do and you never know what you're going to get from Everton either. So I, I don't know who you think will be part of that relegation battle this year. Um, I worry for Leicester mm. um, just because I, I look at their transfers and I don't know how much they've improved mm. in the window. Um, I was worried about Villa where the goals were going to come from because they just didn't have a striker. And then they signed Simone McGill and I was like, yeah. oh, and then she got injured, and then I was like, "Oh!" But then the <laughs> fact that they've the fact that they've signed Rachel Daly and like paid a fee to sign the captain of you know she loved it in Houston. Um, I think it says a lot. I think that's quite a big statement from them. And I think that it'd be nice for Daly to kind of come to England and show everybody that she's actually a forward that maybe nobody knows. <laughs> <laughs> that's where she will play, or where she wants to keep that left back position for England we were debating no I think I think that well Villa will have signed her to, to score goals because okay. they just they just need uh, a striker I think that she could do really well I really like Daly as a, a forward yeah I've always enjoyed watching her in the NWSL like especially when I was working with ESPN we would have covered what she did a lot she had the crossover with the US and the English interest and it's what frustrated me slightly about watching her during the summer not like that I thought she would actually be better than the people that were already playing but it just it was so obvious that it wasn't her place and she wasn't comfortable there and I think I'm I'm interested to see how she does with that I think you're probably right in terms of playing up front but I do hope for her sake it's a a good coming home and it's a, a successful one because I think I mean a lot of people would say it, but she probably deserves it to have that in an English context Outside yeah, the national great. team, obviously, where she's won a Euros, which is probably what, apart from winning a World Cup, probably the best you can do. <laughs> um, and Amy, who do you think might surprise us this season in terms of how they perform? Could be a player or it could be a club. Um, I think we could get a, a little surprise story like a club like Spurs were last season. Because I think what I've liked in this transfer window is we saw it last summer a bit where big players and star names and kind of really exciting signings aren't just going to the top three clubs mm-hmm. or to United. They're kind of going, you know, we saw Dean Rose got a Reading and I remember, I can't remember which player it was in a media session we did when after they signed her, they were like, you're probably wondering how we've signed her and we don't know either. So, <laughs> um, you know, players like that and Yui Hasegawa going to West Ham, I like those kind of signings and you've seen yeah. like Salim Bazette, 
um, who's gone to Spurs from PSG, that's a cool one. Viviese going to West Ham from Bayern, that's a cool one. Like those kind of signings, I think, can give a bit of star quality to some of those clubs that are, you know, kind of in mid table and, and maybe just turn them into a little bit of a surprise package, giving them that. I guess that little edge to turn, you know, draws against the rest of the middle of the pack into a few wins. And yeah, I think, I don't know who it could be. It could be like a Spurs or a West Ham or, you know, maybe Brighton have had a bit of a changeover, but have brought in some good players. That kind of, you know, some sort of club that'll do kind of a Spurs, I think. I think Brighton just need a bit more consistency, don't they? They were very up and down this season. Yeah, there were points where we were really excited. We'd be talking about them and then they'd just go on this horrendous run and we are like, where is this come? Because you saw like they had the players there. They had people like Letizia. They were building so much. They were putting so much money into the project. Like maybe not money in the terms of Chelsea were with like players and stuff, but just in terms of actually building from the ground up, it was very consistent and it was very respectable. And then they just kind of, petered off and just disappeared and pulled off all these re- and there were results that were very frustrating as well because you knew they could have got more points out of it if they had wanted to I couldn't explain it completely because I pitched a feature about Brighton to my editor and did all the interviews and wrote about how great Brighton were and then they went on this horrendous losing run <laughs> and I was like what the heck am I going to do with this feature like I can't put it out when they've just lost three in a row and be like look at Brighton like I had to <laughs> sit there and wait and I was like, when on earth am I going to put it out? Unfortunately, they picked up a little bit and I was like, great. Yeah. I don't like an idiot. But I do think that I caused that. So if hope I was listening, do apologise. <laughs> so if you want any team to do well or badly next season, all you need to do is just pitch a feature around it. And there you go. <laughs> Honestly, it's it's a wonderful curse that I've got. I don't know how I'm so consistent with it. Yeah, if you <laughs> mind pitching one for Man City, I'd really appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll write about them this weekend when I go see them and um, I'm sure they'll all go downhill from there. Bless them. Wonderful. <laughs> And just to get a few quick predictions in then for the season, are we in agreement that Chelsea are the most likely team to win? Yep. Yeah. That was very resigned nodding from everyone. I think we would all prefer to see, well, I don't know. I can't actually speak for either of you, but I would prefer to see someone win. And I don't even mean just Arsenal, just for the sake of the storyline. I think it would be nice. Yeah, it would as well. Better to have a bit more of a competitive sign of the league and then with something like the golden boot do we think Russo after her summer is she going to be up there competing with Mead and the rest I think no. she could no I don't think so I don't think United will score mm. the same amount of goals I think you know when Arsenal and Chelsea come up against the lower teams they're so ruthless that they'll score six or seven whereas I think United are a two three now win. That's what you so who are you tipping Lancard? Who are your top three contenders? Oh, same old, same old. Kerr, Miedema, and uh, Mead. Um, what do you think, Amy? Do you have a, got, a different... I've got Kerr, Miedema, Shaw, probably, if City can create. She, you know, she'll pretty much start every game, I think. And if United can create for Russo, then she'll be up there. But it is just about, and it can't just all be on tune all the time, I think, as well. Like, yeah, so you hope that away. someone like Paris will come in and, and mm. uh, help out in that regard. <laughs> Once again, you look so confident about that. Fact <laughs> and then who are we marking down as a team that will no longer be in the WSL this time next year? Leicester. I do think it'll be Leicester. I mean, they were kind of just lucky that 
Birmingham couldn't buy a win last year, you know. Um, like they got, I don't know how many points they ended up on, but it was pretty, pretty low. Um, so, and I, I have pretty good confidence in Liverpool. Maybe it's just because there's a couple of Irish interests there that I'm looking at them. Obviously, we've got Nifahi, Leanne, uh, Megan. So, yeah, Leicester for me. I think Liverpool, if they can like keep their injuries low, I think the squad that they have are quite good. And I think like definitely have a few more performers in there, especially with adding, say, players like Van Sanden who have that experience. Like that was a purposeful signing to me, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, if Leanne Kiernan can stay fit, which hopefully she can. And I know we talked to her on the podcast before about the work that she's put into making sure that she does stay fit. I think she could be really interesting for Liverpool. Furness is a WSL caliber player as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She was, um, she she just yeah. She's like like a joker in the pack in the championship. Like she's just yeah. a cut above there. So coming into the WSL is where she kind of belongs to be. Yeah. yeah, and they've bolstered their defence a little bit as well. So we've got back up for Nifahi and, and stuff there as well. So um yeah, they, they have a yeah, I just think that their squad, if you look at it on paper, you get more excited looking at the Liverpool team than you would the Leicester team. Definitely. Well, Amy, thank you so much for joining us today and hopefully we will chat to you at some other stage during the season. Now we have one last thing left up our sleeves for you today. Thanks to our partners at Cadbury, we're looking to support Irish women's grassroots football and to celebrate this, we are giving away all the net profits from our recent Cadbury Roadshow in Vicker Street. Over the next few weeks, we'll be giving you an opportunity to win €1,000 worth of equipment for your local grassroots adult club. For your club to be in the chance with to win, contact us with all your club details and contact information at the Koi Gig Pod at offtheball.com. Terms and conditions apply and head over to otbsports.com for more. We will be back with you next Tuesday with all the WSL opening weekend action and we can't wait to see you then. The Koi Gig Pod on OTB Sports in association with Cadbury. A player and a half deserves a glass and a half of support.